Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be getting an update on education in Florida. We know that schools are closed for the balance of the school year. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less uh, Government, and Naples' former mayor, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Do you know the birth and genesis of the Internet? Well, it's April the 30th, and on this day in 1993, four years after publishing a proposal for an idea of linked information systems, computer scientist Tim Berne-Lee released the source code for the world's first web browser and editor, originally called Mesh. The browser that he dubbed World Wide Web became the first royalty-free, easy-to-use means, well, easy is a relative term, of course, if you remember back in the day, but anyhow, of browsing the emerging information network that developed into the Internet as we know it today. Berners-Lee was a fellow at CERN, C-E-R-N, the research organization headquartered in Switzerland. Other research institutions like the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Stanford University had developed complex systems for internally sharing information, and Berners-Lee sought a means of connecting CERN's system to others. He outlined a plan for such a network in 1989 and developed it over the next following years. The computer he used, the NEXT Next uh, Desktop, became the world's first Internet server. Berners-Lee wrote and published the first web page, a simplistic outline of the World Wide Web project in 1991. He began sharing access with other institutions and soon opened it up to the general public. In releasing the source code for the project to the public domain, two years later, Berners-Lee essentially opened up access to the to, to the project to anyone in the world, making it free and relatively easy to explore the nascent internet. Uh, simple web browsers like Mosaic appeared a short time later, and before long, the web had become by far the most popular system of its kind. With a matter of years, Berners-Lee invention had revolutionized information sharing and in doing so had dramatically altered the way the human beings communicated. The creation and the globalization of the web is widely considered one of the most transformational events in human history. 4.39 billion folks, including us, are now estimated to use the internet, accounting for over half of the global population the average American now spends 24 hours a week online. The Internet's rise has been the greatest expansion in the information access in human history, has led the, uh, to the exponential growth in the total amount of data in the world, and has facilitated a spread of knowledge, ideas, and social movements that was unthinkable in as recently as the 1990s. Do you remember first getting on the web? Yeah, every character, every stroke had to be absolutely perfect or you didn't get the good result you want. Now you have this just, uh, the computer begins to think for us. The strokes are so easy right now. But can you believe it only started in 1993? Well, we now have the 17th COVID-19 related death in Collier County. Uh, the newest death was a 74-year-old woman who had uh, a confirmed case who had been contacted with the one who had died previously. Uh, 95 people have now been hospitalized, and the total count of COVID positive is up to 581 in Collier County. I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch Governor DeSantis in his press conference yesterday afternoon at 5 o'clock. We watched, and uh, he said that he was easing back on Florida's month-long shutdown, softening stay-at-home restrictions across the state, but maintaining tough limits in hard-hit Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Among the changes for the rest of the state, restaurants can start uh, serve outdoors and have indoor dining, but only at a 25% capacity. Healthcare providers can also begin doing elective procedures again. About 60% of coronavirus cases and fatalities have been in South Florida, but DeSantis 
course not over here in Cuyahoga County, as we've talked about, said that hospitalizations, deaths, and positive cases of the virus have been slowed elsewhere, clearing the way for an economic restart. We need to focus on facts, not fear, DeSantis said in the phase in set to take off uh, on Monday, the, the 4th. Along with the restaurant changes, retail stores not considered essential services could now welcome customers inside, but only at 25% capacity. Bars, gyms, hairdressers, and other personal services would remain closed for now. By the way, would someone like to explain to my wife why hair and nail salons are not essential services? Maybe to anybody who's out of work right now, why his job and his business is not essential. Anyhow, DeSantis said he won't immediately reopen movie theaters, which would allow, uh, allowed under the first stage of the White House's three-phase guidance to states looking to restart. On the job, DeSantis is encouraging employers to continue emphasizing remote working while social distancing and face masks would be urged among those returning to work. He said he is recommending that Florida's most vulnerable population, including the elderly and those with underlying health conditions, remain sheltered in place. Nursing home visitation is now prohibited. People who do go, uh, go out should avoid socializing in groups of more than 10 folks in places that don't provide appropriate physical distancing. The governor added, uh, DeSantis acknowledged that the coronavirus may climb in rekindled economy, but he said that as long as the hospital capacity remains at current levels, testing continues to expand and the rates of positive results stay low, further steps will be taken to expand social and business interactions. And here's a quote. He said, my hope would be that each phase we're taking and talking about here will take weeks, not months. We're making progress. We need to continue putting people back to work in a safe, smart, and step-by-step -step way, but it's going to be data-driven. Well, my thoughts are, and I, I, quite frankly, he said he, and by the way, extremely impressive. He obviously is very much on top of the situation, but when he says data-driven, uh, what data? Almost everything he discussed was about public health and not the economy. And believe me, there's a lot of facts right now in the economy that are startling and severe. My recommendation is just give the guidelines, Governor, and let each business person decide how they'd like to open their business. You can make health care and, and uh, health safety an economic uh, competitive advantage if you wanted to in your business. For example, if you're a hair salon, say, look, we're going to bring in one customer uh, per uh, six feet distancing. We'll sanitize the space before you come in. We'll be wearing masks. Uh, we'll make sure that the space is cleaned afterwards and uh, we'll only bring in people that are being served at the time. Others will have to wait in the car and so on and so on. But these then, uh, you can reach out to the public and say, we're going to open and we're going to keep you safe and here's why. And that can become an economic and a competitive opportunity for all businesses. So quite frankly, I think the governor making decisions about who opens, who doesn't, I think it's a big mistake, and quite frankly, I can see lawsuits in the future uh, for businesses that are being held back at this point. He hailed, by the way, the expansion of testing. Florida public health experts say the state still falls well short of scientifically recognized goal of testing about 150 people daily for every 100,000 residents, or about 31,800 people each day out of 21.2 million Floridians. Business leaders said all companies face a public relations campaign where they have to show customers that it's safe to use their products. I think the governor should lay out his guidelines, as I mentioned, and then let individual businesses compete on the health and safety issues. Just my thoughts. In any event, on, on a balance, when I listen to the governor, he's certainly on top of the situation. He's certainly far less draconian than other states, and I think he's, he's doing his best. But as I mentioned, it's clear to me that healthcare, public health care officials have his ear a little bit more than businesses, quite frankly, and uh, that's a shame. Well, the Dow was up yesterday by 532, acknowledging that some states are beginning to open the economy. On Wall Street, the hope about curbing the virus outbreak was so strong that investors completely sidestepped the report showing the U.S. economy shrank at a 4.8% uh, annual rate for the first three months of the year. The spark for Wednesday's rally was a report that the experimental drug Remsdiver, Resdemizer, probably mispronouncing it, but irrespective, you know what I mean, uh, proved effective against the new coronavirus in a study run by the National Institutes of Health. 
The Labor Department is expected to say the number of claims for unemployment benefits declined to 3.5 million last week from 4.3 million the prior week. Estimates range from 2 to 5 million. During the prior five weeks, the total of 26.45 million workers have filed for jobless claims. People's uh, personal income and consumption data for March will be released. The expected 5% plunge in the consumption ex- expenditures would be the largest on record going back to February 1959. Oil prices are continuing their extreme swings after a collapse in demand has set crude oil uh, storage tanks close to their limits. The Federal Reserve said Wednesday that it expects the health crisis to weigh in on the economy over the medium term as it has promised to keep in place massive amounts of aid and interest rates at nearly zero. So that's all good news. Uh, Right now, the futures... Just taking a peek, are just about uh, even. They're up and down right now. Down the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, down 64. <clears throat> well, new documents filed under seal last week by the Department of Justice provide the clearest evidence yet that the investigation and subsequent prosecution of former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn was a setup from the beginning. Now, it's something we've all suspected, but there's a handwritten note from the Federal Bureau of Investigation that has been inappropriately withheld from Flynn's defense team for years, showing that the key goal of the agents investigating Flynn was to get him to lie so we can prosecute him and get him fired. And that, of course, was all about uh, demonizing and uh, getting Donald Trump uh, out of office. It's just such a shame to read that Uh, The CIA, the FBI, other agencies, federal agencies have been so corrupt at the top. Now, As many of us pointed out many times, 99% of the organization is just fine and doing their jobs. But people at the top have really corrupted the organization. We need to clean house. This segment of the show is brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? 
For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And, of course, the balance of the season has been canceled, but great education program planned for young folks this summer, as well as a new works festival and a new season coming up. I hope you'll check out the website, Golf Shore Playhouse. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is a co-founder of a terrific organization doing great work in Tallahassee and around the state. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. with you. Great, Keith. And tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a coalition of uh, many groups across the state. There are now well over 100 uh, different groups. Uh, that work with us. We focus on K-12 education reform. Um, to us, that means um, school choice, parental choice options. Uh, we have some really great options here in Florida. And we also are fighting the indoctrination that's taking place in our schools on many fronts, including uh, teaching our kids that socialism is uh, the only way forward. And, uh, of course, then we're also dealing with uh, the pornography and the age-inappropriate materials that we're finding throughout Florida. Yeah, a, a terrific organization. If, I mean, if, if these, what Keith just said is shocking, just ch- check out the website, goflca.com, uh, goflca.com. So, Keith, one of the other things you've been doing is hosting, helping in, in terms of uh, voter education and understanding of the issues you hosted a, a virtual online uh, a forum for candidates for U.S. Congress here in the 19th District. How did it go? It went well uh, on, on all fronts but one. <laughs> uh, we, we used Zoom uh, to... Uh, there were eight of the 12 candidates who participated, two Democrats and six Republicans. Um, we used Zoom to video that, and we had two... Uh, Dynamite moderators. Uh, I think you know Bob McClure from the James Madison. Oh, my Institute. goodness. He's a all star. He's great. Yeah. And uh, Father Orsi. Uh, oh, from great. St. Agnes here locally, who's very outspoken on constitutional issues and our God given rights. So uh, they, they did a great job. Um, the, the issue we had was we connected Zoom to Facebook, and we'll never be able to prove it, but we believe that the Facebook kept shutting us down. We did a, multi, a bunch of tests beforehand, and it worked fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but when we actually did the forum, uh, every three minutes or so, they would dump us. Um, hmm. So uh, we'll find a, uh, There's a suspicion that we were shadow banned, but we'll never be able to prove that. But we'll find alternatives. We're planning to do two more. Um, on one on May 19th with the same moderators, uh, different issues. And uh, and then one on June twenty third, uh, you know the the, the uh, primary this year is August eighteenth, and again we have twelve candidates that have that are going to be in the primary. Two Democrats will be running against each other in the primary, and then ten Republicans. So it's going to be a, a hotly contested, uh, interesting cycle. I think so, and uh, it, we should circle that date because whoever wins uh, the primary for the Republicans will no doubt win. Uh, the election, so it's a big deal. Uh, that that's going to be the the uh, uh, the ballot that really determines who's going to be our next U.S. representative. In my opinion, I think if things fall in place as they typically do, uh, now does this a uh, winner take all, or is it uh, you have to get to fifty uh, percent? No, uh, it's it's winner take uh, in each primary. It's mm-hmm. winner take all. So it, it'll be a Republican primary, and folks, it's a it's a close. Florida has a close. Um, voting season. Uh, oh, that's right. Efforts. So uh, there will be two primaries, one for the two Democrats and one for the Republicans, and whoever the winner is uh, then will advance to the general on both sides. Keith. And, and there's, a, there's a no-party affiliate and a write-in candidate, but uh, we did, didn't include them in this forum because they're not going to be uh, engaged until the, uh, you know, the general, whatever, and uh, usually don't play uh, uh, an important role in, in the outcome. Great. So uh, how's everything going on the education front? Not a whole lot of new news right now on education. Uh, we actually have a meeting this morning uh, with uh, 
Department of Education. Uh, we've been reaching out to Corcoran, uh, Commissioner Corcoran on the educate, on the pornography. And, uh, so we're, we're still trying to get that addressed. Um, and that's, that's a frustrating issue for us because, uh, everybody we talk to is just shocked at what's going on in terms of pornography and age inappropriate. Uh, but so far we really don't have someone, anyone that's stepping up to, uh, to deal with it. The a- attorney general has, has decided not to deal with the issue. Mm. Um, the uh, legislature is, we've been working with uh, Re- Representative Eagle and the uh, speaker, and uh, they decided, uh, this is a little harsh, but they decided to punt to Corcoran. And so uh, we'll see where that goes. So, I mean, it, this is a legislative issue, or can Corcoran uh, take some action to deal with the issue? Uh, well, the legislature thinks he can. Um, I would um, I would much prefer to see it be a legislative uh, resolution because uh, Commissioner Corcoran isn't going to be there forever. Yeah. And you never know who the next uh, governor and, uh, and the next uh, Commissioner of Education will be. That's right. So we would like to see this addressed as a, as a, a legal issue. Uh, we have fairly decent uh, statutes on pornography and age-inappropriate material. The problem is no one has the... Um, I'm trying to think of a polite word. Backbone? <laughs> Backbone's a good word. <laughs> that wasn't the one that came to mind, but that's a good word. Uh, the backbone to really stand up and, and, and uh, protect our kids from this. Yeah. So that's the challenge we have. Uh, well, I also want to get your perspective on the governor's the slow opening of our economy here in Florida. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I thought he did a good job of laying out the facts. I guess I, I would have to say that I was... Uh, um, hopeful that he would be more aggressive. I understand uh, the need to, to really slow open over in the southeast part of our state where they've had some uh, higher levels. Of, but I think if you look at the rest of the state and the facts that he laid out, and he did a good job of laying, I thought of laying out the facts. I don't know if you watched it or not. Oh, I certainly did. And I, I, thought, I thought he did a terrific job. The, the problem that I had with the entire thing is I, I, I kept on asking myself during the presentation, wait a minute, these are all health care facts. Where are the facts on our economy? <laughs> you know? Right. And right. Uh, uh, quite frankly, Keith, I, I, maybe my audience right now is getting a little sick of me saying this, but quite frankly, any business person knows that they not only have to make a profit, but they have to satisfy their customers and they have to right. uh, make sure that their employees are safe. So let that be a competitive issue in the economy and allow business people, just give them the guidelines, what you want, and let them figure it out for themselves. Uh, everybody, well, I think, go ahead. I, no, I think that it, I think you're, you're, you're right on on the business side of the equation, but I would also argue that the, that people ought to, individuals ought to be responsible for themselves. Of course. So if you put, if you put that responsibility on the businesses uh, and, and the competitive uh, uh, requirements that you're articulating and the responsibility on, on the, the individuals, let's get on with this. Let's stop destroying our I, future. I couldn't agree. I'm happy you brought that up because each of us uh, understands our own health care situation. We know what our portfolio looks like in terms of our immune system, in terms of our health, in terms of whatever uh, health issues we might have. We can make individual decisions. Even if a business opens, we're not uh, <laughs> we, we're not uh, required to go uh, you know patronize that business. We can make decisions for ourselves. And in fact, sure. I, you know, my thought is, you if you hear an advertisement that we're going to keep you safe, and you go into the business, you don't think it's safe, you can walk out. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I was hopeful he would be a little bit more aggressive, um, uh, particularly with all of the rest of the areas in the state. If you, if you look at those facts, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I understand. Unfortunately, I understand the hesitancy. I also thought he did a great job, and I know we're running out of time, but did a great job of holding the uh, media accountable for what they've done to overhype this situation. Well. Well, I, you know, I agree with that, and uh, he, I think he's doing a terrific job. So I, I don't mean to be, you know what, and uh, he's got a big and difficult job, so I don't know all the things that are entering in his mind when he's making these decisions. Uh, but I do believe that the health care professionals, public health care professionals, have his ear, and I don't think that's, uh, they. he should hear them out, but they should not be the dominant factor in this discussion because businesses need to open and we need to get the economy going. Right, I agree. And it is, you're right, it is easy to armchair quarterback not being in his shoes, but um, 
we, I, I just don't think I just don't see the balance that I think should be there. So I couldn't agree more. Again, I just encourage our listeners to go to your website. And by the way, this uh, the forum for uh, Congressional District 19 is being posted now on your website. Yeah, we posted it this morning, and we're planning to do two more on on different issues. Um, with, with, with eight candidates participating in, in really about an hour, there you couldn't cover a whole lot of ground, uh, and so we're going to be doing one on May nineteenth. Uh, it'll be a virtual forum, and one on June twenty third. Yeah, and each of them will have different issues. Okay, so again, it's goflca.com. GoFLCA.com is the website. And do you think we'll call the herd a little bit with eight, eight candidates? Do you think any are going to drop out? No, I, I thought that we would lose uh, a few uh, qualification, but the official qualification was uh, um, behind us now. It was April 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and m- many of the candidates, it was actually a new candidate who jumped in. Uh, most of them paid their $10,000 fee. Uh, so I think they're probably in, in it uh, through the primary. I could be surprised, but I would be. Uh, I think they're, they each have their own calculus. And uh, and I know we're out of time, but when you think about 12 candidates, the winner uh, and the winner-take-all will probably have 15 or 16 percent of the. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that you did ask me if I would be willing to be one of the moderators for the forum, and I certainly had a desire to do so, but I'm firmly in with both feet uh, with Byron Donald. Not that there aren't other good candidates, but he's the best in my opinion. And I must say that uh, uh, it would have been, I think, disingenuous for me to be a moderator and at the same time have a favorite up there on the stage. So, yeah. No, we, we appreciate your uh, forthrightness on that. Well, we are going to be doing... Um, Board of County Commission forum. So if you haven't endorsed a candidate, we'd love to have you be one of the oh, moderators, well, thanks moderators for, for that. I appreciate that so much. Again, Keith Law, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance, goflca.com. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, thanks, Bob. You, you have, and your listeners have a great weekend. Thank you. You as well. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pickup curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m., and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars, offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Community Pregnancy Clinics. I must say they had their $100,000 challenge and they met the goal. We had Gary Ingold, the CEO, on yesterday. So happy uh, they did. Uh, right now, we have with us Byron Donalds. He is our state representative and also candidate uh, for U.S. representatives here in District 19. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Hey, Bob, by the way, real quick, community pregnancy clinics are a fantastic group, and uh, really glad they met their goal. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. I, that. I'm just very proud to be associated with them, and they just do such great work indeed in terms of us. Uh, uh, protecting life and saving life. So, uh, hey, you had a great write-up on uh, uh, Breitbart News. I thought that was so cool. And, and in fact, the uh, the information contained was really, really impressive. But before we talk about that, I want to get your thoughts about the opening of uh, the governor's uh, press conference last night and the opening of Florida. Well, I think the, the steps that the governor has taken are one, so to be honest, with caution. I think he's looked. He's looking at the data, looking at everything across the entire state, and you know, with I don't want to say with trepidation, but I think he does have a concern about going too fast with with reopening. That being said, um, the order is that restaurants and retail stores can open at twenty five percent indoor capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, restaurants are allowed to seat outdoors, uh, but they still have to maintain social distancing. Um, obviously, local communities, they're the ones who um, who will have control over beaches and parks, recreation centers, because that, that, that's really local government's purview. I think most counties in the state are voting or have already voted to reopen their beaches. Collier County's done that. Lee County's done that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the unfortunate part, the part that's still going to be a problem for a lot of small businesses are uh, salons, movie theaters, uh, some movie, some uh, uh, businesses like that are still are still closed. Um, the toughest part is going to be for salons. I think that, you know, this is one of those things where, um, and I'm not putting this at the feet of the governor, but I think when you're trying to manage which business types open up, sometimes you get businesses that get lost lost in the shuffle. I mean, I've been to a barber. You have, Bob. Yep. I'm quite sure Linda's been to the hair salon. And so, you know, in these types of situations, what you see are people really aren't huddled and cluttered on top of one another. You come in close contact with uh, with your hairstylist or your barber, but I think that if you take the proper protocols to clean stations in between each customer, you don't let people sit inside. Yeah. Or you can have strict policy, like, listen, you have to make an appointment. You can't just come and sit here all day. That's right. And most, frankly, most barbers and hairstylists do that now. Right. Um, and I think that would probably be the best approach for them so they can restart their businesses, get people back in, and so on and so forth. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, my personal view is, of course, the, the uh, private sector is, is chaotic in a sense, and it has the information about pricing that none of us can identify, quite frankly. That's why we don't have central planning. That's why we allow competition. But, you know, could somebody uh, explain to me, how is anybody going to take his wife to a restaurant if she hasn't had her hair done in six weeks or two months? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think after about six weeks inside, anybody's ready to go sit at the restaurant table. Uh, but, but, but I think more often than not, I think as we go through these reopening sequences, the thing I think it's important for all policyholders, myself included, to, to understand is that people are, at this point, are taking this seriously. They are going to protect their health. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, business owners are going to protect their business. They are not going to reopen their business in a chaotic or catastrophic way right. that makes them liable to suits, that makes them liable to um, uh, to, to being to being shut down by some crazy trial lawyer trying to make a quick buck in the courts. Um, and so I, I think... I think what's needed here is is uh, in a lot of respects trust, frankly, uh, of 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 the of Floridians and of the American people. I, I think that you know, with social distancing and things that we all these orders that have come through, people have largely complied because they want to stay healthy, they want to stay safe, they don't want their family members, especially family members who are in the vulnerable population. Right. They want them to be safe as well. Absolutely. And in fact, I, as I was mentioning earlier in the show, it could become a competitive advantage, allow businesses to compete. Hey, come to my business. We'll keep you safe as well as providing you the service you want at a great value. So, uh, I mean, they're going to have to demonstrate they can do that, of course. But, Byron, before I let you go, I do want to talk about your campaign. I was so proud of you. And, of course, I needless to say, full disclosure, I support you and your campaign as our candidate for the 19th District here for U.S. Congress. But uh, nice column in Breitbart about you and uh, uh, your candidacy for, for the Congress. Maybe you could tell us about it. I was actually I had the ability to go on Breitbart Radio with Matt Boyle last Saturday, and they 
they took some of my interview and they made a column out of it, which, you know, as a, as a candidate, I liked. That was great because, you know, all news is good news when you're running for office. You really just want to do everything you can to get your name out there. Uh, the campaign um, is going great, actually. You know, it's obviously with coronavirus, things are stalled out. You couldn't do much. Uh, but we qualified for the ballot last week. Uh, we already had two debates this week. We did one with Wink News um, locally over Zoom. And, and once we get that full footage as a campaign, we're going to be releasing that in social media so people can take a look at that. And then uh, we also did another one with the Florida Citizens Alliance. We did one really the next day. Yep. So we've done two debates already on Zoom. Most of the candidates have have uh, have uh, participated. I wish they all did, but, you know, I can't make those decisions for other people. Um, but I, I would stress, though, to your listeners, it is important that these candidates debate. We have a 10-person Republican primary here in Southwest Florida. We have the largest primary in the state, probably the largest primary in the country. Mm-hmm. And um, if, a, if somebody running for office doesn't want to actually debate, then what's going to happen when they actually get elected and they're not <laughs> battle-tested, they're not prepared to do battle with the left, um, and they're not prepared for what the job really is, yeah. especially when we're trying to have our fifth congressman in 10 years here in Southwest Florida. It's important that all the candidates actually debate and actually show that they can do the job of congressmen and not just run 30-second ads. I think that's a detriment to the voters, and I hope that they take it seriously. Well, I would agree with that. And, of course, I think Bloomberg is a testament to that, to the fact that money and, and ads doesn't get it done. So, Byron, I, I hope you get elected. I'm voting for you. I support you. And it's because I think you're not only being a great congressman, making great decisions because of your understanding of the Constitution and the rule of law, but also because I think you're articulate, and I think you'll be one of the spokespeople up there, like Meadows and others, uh, doing a great job for us here from Southwest Florida. I, v- I encourage our listeners to go to your website, byrondonalds.com, byrondonalds.com, and make a contribution when you do. Byron, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House Food Pantry and Grocery Distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed. Curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare 
and back to work. And, of course, that's an initiative that's been stalled because of the pandemic, but it is real, and uh, we got great plans. And I say we because I'm on the board. I hope you'll visit thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. So, Seton, is uh, is the government getting smaller and less important now that we have this coronavirus? <laughs> it's it, it's like a guy setting your house on fire and then showing up and saying, "I'll pay, I'll pay me and I'll put that out for you." <laughs> um, th- th- this is uh, this has surpassed climate change is the dumbest thing in the history of humanity. Um, we murdered a $22 trillion economy predicated upon computer models. These are the same computer models that have been wrong about climate change forecasts for four decades. Right. Why we listen to them at all, why we're still getting, they're getting, any, still getting any money to run computer models is light years beyond me. The de facto position should have been we keep doing things normally until data, not computer models, until data stipulates we should do something different. Mm-hmm. And if we had done that, we now reached the data point where we know that shutting down the system was stupid. Um, this is a mild flu. Unless you're 80 and or very, very sick already, you have, it's no problem. We're also, by hiding under our beds, doing the antithetically wrong thing. The only way to stop this, it's not testing, because if I test negative today, oh, look, I have to be tested again tomorrow. Right. And then I have to be tested again on Saturday. Um, That's dumb. The only way to do this is herd immunity, and it's been discussed a lot, and I've been saying from the beginning, it's the only way you deal with a virus. The sick and the old stay home. Right. The rest of us go out and kill the virus for them. We go out and we, we, get, we build up antibodies to it, and the magical percentage is 60. Once you get to 60% of the population having been exposed to the virus, the virus bops around from person to person who is now no longer a viable host. Right. At which point the virus starts to die. So vi- and then the old and feeble can, can come out of their home. So you know what? Vi- you don't quarantine everybody because all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. It's not like the virus is knocking on U.S.'s front door. Oh, nobody's home. I'm leaving. <laughs> no. The virus is going to be here if we hide in our rooms for 40 years. Also, yeah. the vaccine is not an answer. Dr. Fauci, the esteemed Dr. Fauci, uh, was, the, it was in his position in the 80s during the AIDS e- epidemic. He, dir- he directed what has now become tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars towards an HIV vaccine. Forty years later, no HIV vaccine. So that's not a solution either. The only solution is what always happens with viruses. It will be here until we herd immunity out of existence. Yeah, so Seton, we're in violent agreement, I must say. I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, of course, this is a great opportunity for the left to try and uh, expand government control and to violate our Constitution sovereign rights. And uh, you wrote a column about that. It's called uh, Dumber Than the Shutdown, the Left Demanding Treatment Makers Not Make Money. Yes, it's, it's what they're doing now. What they're doing now is, is um, using, you know, it's never let a crisis go to waste, and they're using, they're using that theory in multiple different directions. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they try to slip into the CARES Act language that undermine intellectual property. And, and, and they're doing it in the name of there's no way big farmers should profit off of this awful, uh, you know, coronavirus pandemic. Well, these allegedly evil big pharma companies dropped everything they were doing to make money to work on a pandemic, to work on a coronavirus uh, treatment or vaccine or whatever. Right. Uh, and then they're not supposed to make money on it when they, when they finish? Yeah. And, of course, the head, it's amazing. I didn't put this in the piece, but I should have. The headlines lie. They said they shouldn't be allowed to, you know, grossly profiteer. But then the first, which means, you know, charge huge inflated prices for it. But what, when you read the first sentence, and like, the, the drug should be available to everyone for free. <laughs> well, that's not profiteering. That's slavery. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 
that's not making that's not making uh, that's not not making a lot of money. That's making zero money and not even making your costs back. I know. Um, so yeah, the, the left is using this as an opportunity to undermine intellectual property rights. And if I, I had to go back and look at the legislation, I think they were again not letting the crisis go to waste, undermining all intellectual property rights. It wasn't just directed at pharmaceuticals. Well, you know, it's it, it's haste makes waste, and I think this whole thing has occurred, this uh, knee-jerk reaction. I understand we have people going out of work, but uh, as you mentioned, the first domino is actually having the reaction that we should quarantine healthy people. I'm not saying we shouldn't have done something initially. We should have responded and reacted to protect people, but in a week or two, we could have figured out uh, what what's going on here. So, Well, I think the one of my favorite early signs was, 10,000 people at South Beach, Miami, 15 got sick. Yeah. <laughs> not, even, not even died, just got sick. So, so I, I mean, I go, uh, the first thing I would do is say, okay, I'm pretty confident the young are, are healthy or, you know, are okay on this thing. Uh, next. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and, and if you if you're uh, if you have a compromised immune system, if you have issues, health issues that uh, Res- respiratory, especially with this particular bug, respiratory is a problem. Right. Then then um, self quarantine you know, or something like that. Self quarantine. Just to make sure that you're isolating yourself. You can even yeah, do as that. I said from the very beginning, if you're old, stay home. If you're enfeebled, stay home. If you cannot, if you if you're not neither of those, but you cannot help but interact with someone who's older and feeble, you have to stay home too. The rest of us go out and we'll kill the bug for you. Well, and I would say, I would even add to that, it just uh, if you can isolate an a, a, a older person in a separate room or have them have separate time, maybe outdoors where they're away from everybody else, uh, this could all be managed. Yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another favorite wrinkle of mine. People walking outdoors with masks on. Are you <laughs> freaking kidding me? <laughs> You're out <laughs> Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I'm going to encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org as well as uh, his Facebook Facebook page. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Bob Harden. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. 
And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And while this current season, the balance has been canceled, there's got great education programs planned. I hope you'll check out the website. Also, next season in a new works festival, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for making time this morning. Hey, Bob, my pleasure. Um, I, I want to let you know we were talking pre-air there about... Uh, your golf game today, yeah, because you didn't know it was raining out, so you might as well cancel that tea time. <laughs> well, but if you decide you're going to go play, I'd like a video of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's raining cats, and now I'm seeing it. It's raining cats and dogs. I, you know, I was so focused on the show, I didn't even look out the window. But my goodness, it's pouring right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, they had said that it was going to be definitely. They forecast are pretty good. They said this morning, and then it's going to blow out. Um, early afternoon or maybe late morning, and it's going to be beautiful for the next couple of days. Well, that's great to hear. So, uh, well, yeah. And yeah. I, I, out of curiosity, did you see the governor last night uh, with the rollout of an opening of the economy? I I was watching. Um, I watched most of it, um, uh, and uh, he, you know, he had a lot to say. Um, I I think um, I'm. You know, the twenty five percent on the restaurants. Yep. Um, I think it's better than nothing. Yep. I think he maybe could have gone to 50. Right. Um, but I guess, you know, uh, I heard from Macy's this morning is going to be opening 68 of their stores. Um, hmm. um, I, I think it's it's a good start. What did what, you think? Well, and I've mentioned this, so I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing me say this, but I think, uh, quite frankly, any good business owner, any business wants to be able to keep their customers safe. They want to uh, make a profit, obviously, and they want to keep their employees safe. So I'd say let them figure it out. They can make uh, give guidelines. Uh, maybe it's 50%. Uh, but I would suggest let business owners decide how they want to open and let them advertise on a competitive basis how they're going to keep their customers safe. Well, yeah, and but that that leads to a um, uh, to an assumption I think um, that that we probably don't want to admit, but it's really true. Yes, of course, the business uh, owners care about their customers, but there are some. There will be some, no matter what, no matter what, Bob that just want to get open and get as much going as they can. And I don't blame them for that. And I think that's probably why the, the percentage in there, instead of just saying, okay, listen, uh, you decide when you want to open, because I think they, mm. the, it, that might not have been the, the, the safest um, thing to do. So I, I think um, I'm with you. I would like to see them be able to just do that, but I don't think that's probably the best thing. And as long as the governor... I mean, I, I don't know, how long did he say that, that they would keep this first tier going of 25%? I mean, I don't think a he, week or 10 days? or Yeah, I don't think he actually said. I think he intimated that he's hopeful that it could uh, uh, go to phase two soon. Right. But uh, I'd add this to, you, uh, to your point, Bill, is that uh, while I agree with you, uh, the other side to it is that customers want to be stay safe too, and if in fact they think True. the conditions aren't safe, they're not going to. In fact, I would suggest even if they are safe, many aren't going to go <laughs> because they they're fearful fearful themselves. Yeah, I, and and I agree, and I think you're going to see that, and I think you're going to see that anyway. Although um, I don't know about you know you and Linda, um, you I'm sure you're itching to get to your some of your favorite restaurants, and yeah. I think that the restaurants really need to. Because it's only 25%, they, they need to get out there and, and let people know, look, you need to make a reservation. Because if we only have 25% um, capability, you know, otherwise you, you're, you're going to get turned away or you can't get in. So that's probably a, probably a good thing to do. Well, would you agree? I'd add, yeah, I'd, yes, absolutely. But I would, <laughs> I would suggest that there's a lot of women that aren't going to want to go out with their hair that hasn't been done in, in two months. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, and and he did not let the. It, I I heard him say barber shops. Yeah. But I didn't hear him say hair salons. Did he say that? No, and he didn't say hair salon. He didn't say nail salons. And here's the thing. This is another thing that just is. Uh, that these people are licensed, and if they violate that, if they open, you know, create a black market, if they start going to their people's homes, they they put their career, their profession on the line and could lose their license if they end up violating. Apparently, right, somebody right. Town here, somebody told me that 
somebody opened. I forgot what kind of business. Maybe it was a nail salon or a hair salon. And 15 police officers showed up. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's the next thing that he, uh, that he, 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 he opens up on, because I know there are a lot of people that need. Hey, I don't know if you watched the county commission meeting the other day, real quickly, but Bert Saunders looked like Santa Claus. No idea. Did he grow a beard? Well, I mean, his hair was, he, he had long hair as it was, but I mean, all you saw was this mass of white hair. <laughs> I mean, it was like, man, Bert, get somebody to, 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 to clip a little bit, but uh, it was really funny. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of us, um, uh, including the guys, you said a lot of women wouldn't want to go out there, but they're, you know, some of us are starting to feel a little raggedy also. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely the case. In fact, uh, of course, you know that Linda writes her newsletter on occasion. It's been a while now, but uh, one of her uh, people that reads her newsletter said, you know everything. When are the barbershops going to open? <laughs> That's his main question because he wants to get a haircut. Right, so, right. Well, you know, it's, uh, uh, well, we're getting there, Bob, because I can remember a couple of weeks ago we were, you know, I mean, as this thing went on, and we were talking every week, it's, we've, we've, I think, hopefully, uh, God willing, we've seen the, 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 the worst of it, and hopefully uh, all the governors that are, uh, that are starting to open up their states, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. It'll be good for the economy as well. Absolutely. I, I do raise this question, though. If you're operating at 25% and you're running a restaurant, how do you make a profit? Well, I don't think you, you probably can, but... Maybe you can come close to covering, uh, to covering what your your costs are, and at least getting some people in there, getting your chefs in there. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do know. I mean, well, I, I think though, uh, he, you know, they're going to be squeezed, and somehow they either got to increase prices or get lower quality, whatever it might. You know, it's it's a big issue. I think so. Right. Right. No question. So, hey, any good scoop on the city? What you see going on? Well, city city basically followed uh, what the county did. Um, they they spent an inordinate amount of time yesterday uh, discussing this with technicalities and whatever. But I think they they got it done so that uh, I know Baker Park will be opening, some of the parks will be opening, the beaches will be open, um, and um, uh, I don't think anybody will be there today. What do you think? <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking out the window. Yeah, I think they said on Friday anyway. I wasn't sure about the. Uh, about whether it was today or tomorrow, but definitely by by tomorrow. So, I think that's a good thing, and it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. And I'm sure there are lots of people that are that are anxious to 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 start some sense of a normal of a normal life if there is such a thing. Right. Well, I I, I appreciated the two doctors from California who had an emergency clinic, an emergency care clinic, and their their comments was the first time in their lives that they've actually seen healthy people quarantined. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought their comments were just right on. I think that they were were absolutely terrific. I hope it had an impact on uh, decision makers and, and elected officials. Right, right, exactly. So, so we'll we'll uh, we'll go another week, and then next week we'll be saying, "Hey, did you hear this or whatever?" And uh, hopefully, it'll be up uphill all the way. Absolutely. Former Na- mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, appreciate so much your service to the city as well as your friendship. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, here Bob, today. thank you. And uh, as I say, uh, you might as well just go back to bed after the show's <laughs> over because uh, you, you're, you're not hitting any golf balls today. Have a great one. Take you, care. Uh, thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I always appreciate your comments. And you can send me an email at bobhardenathotmail.com. BobHardenAtHotmail.com. I started sending out a, uh, a newsletter about my show uh, after each show, giving you the details of uh, what's going on. Uh, I had one sent to myself, and it ended up in my uh, junk mail. So I encourage you to check your junk mail. if you, you're prob- You may be on my list. If you're not on my list, do send me an email if you'd like to get on the list, and I'll make sure that you receive it. Hopefully it's uh, a, a good summary of the show. We'll give you some good information about what we have planned for, uh, for the coming show as well. Tomorrow we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Brad Palumbo. Brad is a columnist for uh, the Washington Examiner. Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? And Dave Beagle is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, the story of the travails of dealing with union bosses and their dirty tricks over the course of two and a half years. He wrote a book about it. 
I tell you, it's well worth reading. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.